Let us pray. Since time began, we've needed you, Jesus. Since time began, we needed a Savior, a King, ancient, strong. Strong enough to defeat your enemies, God, and ours. Strong enough to conquer our lives, our rebellion, our mischief. We need a king who will die for his people, but is powerful enough to raise from the dead. A king named Jesus, a savior. God's Son, the Eternal One, the Everlasting God, the Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, my mighty God, God with us, Jesus, the name that is above every name. You are the one that we need. You are the one that our soul longs for. And Father, thank you for giving him to us as a king as a priest, as a prophet, as a friend to sinners so that we can live in Him. We ask the Spirit of that King and that friend and that prophet and that priest would come and speak again today. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. Was that a tearjerker or was it my imagination? Wow. Wow. I just uh, so appreciate the gifts that God has given to our team, uh, both in pictures and in song to show us that picture. Was that not awesome? I didn't expect talking about it, but I'm still wiping tears away. That was just incredible. Mm. A few weeks ago, we started a journey together. We were on what we call our Vision Sunday. And this fall has been so exciting to see what God is doing in our midst. And a few weeks ago on Vision Sunday, I said there were three things, three things this ministry year that I hope and pray that each one of us will see grow in our lives, that we will experience as a family here together at Orangewood. And the first one was grow, that this would be a year of growth for us, and most importantly, spiritually. And if you were here last week, we talked about how we are commanded by God to grow in grace, to grow in God's unmerited favor. And if you missed it, let me encourage you. It's on our website or iTunes. That's important for us to get that foundation of what does it mean to grow. This week we are going to talk about to know. This week is to know, to know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That one that we just sang about, that, that ancient of days, that King of kings, that Lord of lords, the eternal one. And somehow, for many of us who have known this Jesus, maybe since the day we were born, we were told about this Jesus. For some of us, we've kind of stopped growing. Maybe we think that we know enough. And really, it's Paul, even at the, or Peter, at the end of this letter, this epistle, he says, we must grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this service is going to be about growing to know. To know Jesus. And next week, as we conclude this little series in 1 Peter 3.18, it'll be about go. What is the go? Grow, know, 
and go. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles, uh, we're going to start in 2 Peter chapter 1 today. Uh, really, our emphasis is th- verse, chapter 3, verse 18. But let us all be mindful because God loves us. He has given us His Word. It is holy. It is without error. It will never lead us astray. Uh, Jesus has uh, spoken to us through the prophets. Uh, he has spoken through, uh, to us directly as God, and He speaks to us again here today. So I'm going to read Second Peter chapter 1, verses 2-11, through 11, and then turn to uh, 3.18. Let's be mindful again, this is God's Word. God's Word says this, Grace and peace be yours in abundance, Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And by the way, it's the only way we ever get grace and peace is through Jesus. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us a very great and precious promises. So that through them, you and I may participate in the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection or brotherly love. And to brotherly love, love, agape love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Interesting that Peter says that we can have a knowledge of Jesus that is ineffective and unproductive. Heaven forbid, Orangewood. But if any of you do not have them, you are nearsighted and blind, and you have forgotten that you have been cleansed from your past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And now, chapter 3, verse 18. But grow. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forevermore. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, these words haunt me. A faith, a knowledge that is ineffective and unproductive. Oh, Father God, we ask that the Spirit of the living God would come and that You would add to our faith this knowledge and this goodness and this love and self-discipline and control so that we, Father God, wouldn't be nearsighted, that we wouldn't be blinded, Father, apart from the illumination that the Holy Spirit brings, we are, we confess, we're blind. 
we see so dimly. So, Father, again, we're going to ask that you would do that which only you can do, that you would come and and speak through a broken sinner that desperately needs to hear this message. That, Father God, that you would open up our ears and illumine our minds through the power of the preached Word and through the power of the living Holy Spirit so that we will be able to hear and listen, so that we will be able to understand what it means to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for our hearts because this morning there are those here this morning who don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. God, today, by your grace, for your glory, for your fame, would you please work and do that heart surgery which only you can do so that they could hear and know and embrace and understand. Father, for those of us, for the many of us who who think we know it all, who, who think that we get it, but we have only had such a thimble full of the gospel and of the knowledge of Jesus. May we, each and every one of your children today, Jesus, may we drink deeply, deeply of the truth of your Son and what he has done for us so that we can grow today to be more like him. And Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would empower our feet to walk in a manner worthy of, of the gospel, so that our faith and our knowledge of our Lord and Jesus Christ will not be ineffective, will not be useless, but that we would be productive ambassadors for the glory of Christ. Father, we pray that you and you alone receive glory and we receive great joy. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. It's often said, it doesn't matter what you know, it's all about who you know. Have you found that to be true in your life? Is it really, do you have your job because maybe your education and uh, maybe uh, the things you know, or is the things in your life come to you for the most part more because of who you know? Maybe some nepotism, a family connection. Uh, maybe a, a helpful uncle. Maybe a good friend. How about you? Is it true? For the most part, as you look at your life, has it been about what you know or has it more been about who you know? Interesting, I stopped in my own life and I look back and say, you know, my first job, it was more about who I know. My dad, he worked for the phone company. My granddad, he did too. I had it inside in. I like to tell you it was my resume. My boyish good looks. But no, it was more about who you know. So I started looking through life. It was more and more about, it really is true, it's who you know. What about with Christianity? Is it important about what you know or who you know? Let me say, as as Christians, it's very, very important of what we know. We are people of God's Word. It's important for us to have sound theology. It's important for us to have what we call orthodoxy, to practice sound theology. But it's not that all of that comes to naught unless... We know God intimately and personally. You see, knowledge, all knowledge according to God, and certainly all biblical knowledge according to God's Word, is for naught unless we know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So with Christianity, it really is both as important, yes, of what you know, but what you know doesn't mean anything until who you know as Jesus is Lord and Savior. And then... It all, the rest makes sense and comes together. 
The who in Christianity is God's unique son, Jesus. According to the Bible, we're going to look at three things, and then we're going to look at how we can know him. Uh, when it comes to knowing Jesus, we're going to see, according to God's word, it's all or nothing. Easy to remember. All or nothing. Say it with me. All or nothing. All right, good. Beginning and the end. And top to bottom. Very good. It's all about Jesus. All or nothing. Let's, see, let's start off with that one. All or nothing. I'm not sure what happened to the game of poker. How many of you play poker? Don't raise your hand. What happened to the game of poker? It's now a televised sport. You know, one day, it used to be some guys after working together, having a couple of beers and playing some cards. Now it's on ESPN. And people know their names. I mean, oh yeah, this is, you know, Blackjack Charlie, and they got funny glasses, and they're, you know, I cannot believe that they're taking up good ESPN space with poker. Some of you like it. And by the way, this is not the point of my message, uh, gambling can really be an addiction. And uh, I know for a fact that there's some of you who struggle with it. And it's maybe something that our society says is okay, but we really got to bring that under the lordship of Christ too. But that's not the point today. They got an expression, all in. All in. When they, when, when I, 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 someone told me this, not that I ever watched it, as far as you know. But when someone takes all of their chips, all of their winnings, all they are, and they push it into the center, and they say that they are all in. It's basically saying they are betting everything. Everything they have won, everything they have, that's there, they're all in. And what does that mean? That means if they win, they get everything, right? If they lose, they lose everything. Well, it's all or nothing with Jesus. It's all or nothing with Jesus. With a relationship with Him, when it comes to life and life abundantly, life eternally, when it comes to understanding who we are and who God is, it's all or nothing. If we have Jesus, we get everything. Unbelievably, we really get everything with Jesus. Uh, Scripture says that all the blessings in the heavenly realms are ours in Christ Jesus. Life and life abundantly is found in Jesus. All is found in Jesus, and apart from Him is nothing. There's a couple of verses I want to make that show you that Scripture says about this, uh, how we can see it's all or nothing. According to Scripture, with knowing Jesus, it is an all deal. Philippians 4.3. Philippians 4.13 uh, says this, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens, strengthens me. Man, let me try that again. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. Paul is writing this. He's saying with a relationship with the Son of God, with Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you and I, broken, frail creatures, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. It doesn't say we can do some things, we can do most things, we are pretty good at a lot of things. According to God's Word, in Christ Jesus, we now have the power of the resurrected Savior. We now have the ability to do all things in Christ. Is there not an amen coming? Amen. All things, all or nothing. In Christ Jesus, we can do all things. Now, I love the fact that for us to read God's Word, we really have to look at the context 
in which God gives us this. Because we could take this verse, have it stand all by itself, and say, great, I can do all things with Christ. I can run and win the 5K race. I can do all things with Christ. Now, I can convince myself, now until that Saturday when we run, that I can win the 5K. Because I, why? I can do all things through Christ. How many of y'all think I can win the 5K? Thanks for your love and support. I see that hand. <laughs> I can't. But when Paul is talking about, it's very interesting. Listen to this. Paul's talking about contentment. Paul is saying that I know what it's like to have plenty. And I know what it's like to be in want. Maybe he lived through a week like we just lived through. Maybe he's lived through a week where some of you saw an incredible dip in your retirement. Some of you are really, really struggling financially. Just this week in prayer time, which, by the way, look in your bulletin. I'm inviting each equipping center on Thursdays to come and pray. Come. Plan that. Come and join and pray with us. Uh, We need you to be there. But just this week, I was just listening to one of our elders just say how difficult things are financially for him right now. This godly man who's struggling because he's so vested to real estate. When Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he's saying, I've learned an incredible secret of contentment. Having a lot or having nothing. Because when I have Jesus, I do have life. When it says all things, you can do all things through Christ. You can get up tomorrow and have joy in serving him. You can do the things that he's called you to do to find that contentment, that godliness. And I read in 1 Peter 1, it says that God has given us everything we need to have Godly, effective lives. Where is it sometimes, Lord? All or nothing. Do you have Jesus? Is he a God of his word? Is it true? Can we really do all things through Christ? Again, let's not take it out of context, folks. That's where we get in trouble. I could be this. I could be that. Listen, God has made you who you are, but he's given you everything you need through the gospel, through a relationship with him, the grace, the faith he's given you to live an effective life for Jesus. You can never live it without Jesus. Listen, you will never fully be you without Jesus. Sometimes we think with Jesus that we got to lose who we are. The only way that you and I are fully alive, the only way that we ever fully are who God has intended us to be, is in Jesus. And without him, we can do nothing. John 15.5 says, Jesus says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, if you abide in me, if you stay with me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Do we really believe that? Is this just another religious gobbledygook? I mean, what is Jesus saying? Because you and I got to admit that we could look through history and we could see a lot of people, men and women, who have done great things apart from Christ. So how in the world can Jesus say, apart from me, you can do nothing? Even in our world today, we look at many of the leaders. We make much of the power and say it's, it's absent of a faith and love of Jesus. What does Jesus mean? Well, Jesus is talking about that you and I could do nothing that's pleasing to the Father. We can do nothing that's eternal. Nothing that is truly significant in God's eyes apart from Christ. Nothing. And this, this, this is very important for us. Because what is, Jesus is saying is, is it's not about religion. It's not about baptism or taking the Lord's Supper apart from Christ. It's not about church attendance. He do nothing apart from me that's worth anything. How is it with your life? As you look at your life, 
Do you realize that Jesus really has given you that life? That you can do all things through Christ? Do you truly realize that apart from Him, all that you're doing is building an empire that will crumble? Apart from Him, it's straw. Apart from Him, it's going to be torched. Apart from Him, we can do no thing. It truly is all or nothing with Jesus. And that's why Peter is saying to us, we must grow in our love and knowledge of Jesus. We never leave that. He's the starting point. He's the beginning point. He's the ending point. Do we really believe it? We can do nothing apart from Him and all things we can do through Him. Are you growing in your knowledge of Jesus? Are you really growing? Do you desire to know Him more and what He has done for you? Are you digging deep into the mystery of God made flesh? Do you ponder the sacrifice on the cross? Do you spend time alone with Him? Are you in His Word? Are you praying? What, what kind of exercise spiritually is, is in your regimen? Saying, I want to know Him more. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ. And apart from Him, I can do nothing. Okay, all or nothing. You got it? Second one is this, the beginning and end. Jesus truly is the Alpha and the Omega. Have you ever been in an endeavor... Maybe it's your work right now. I hope it's not your marriage. Maybe it's your marriage, uh, uh, a relationship. Uh, maybe it's just uh, something you're involved in where you, you're kind of asking yourself the question, what's the point? What's the point of this? That's a terrible feeling, isn't it? I bet every one of us has had that at some time in something we've done in our lives. We start say, man, it's just, what's the point of this? Because when we lose the point, it becomes so mundane. It just becomes so burdensome and heavy. It reminds me of my high school. When I was uh, in ca- uh, calculus with, uh, yeah, I was in calculus with Mr. Kehoe. And we were trying to figure out things that I had no idea. And people like Anthony Bocciardi love. It scares me to death. And I'd raise my hand and he'd say, Mr. Jakes. And I would say with such authority, Mr. Kehoe, this is stupid. And thank God he didn't say, no, Mr. Jakes, you are stupid. <laughs> he, did. he said, Mr. Jakes, nothing about mathematics is stupid. In a sense, he was right. Because even in mathematics, it points back to God. Without knowing the point, without having the purpose, everything we can do can become tremendously tedious. And here's the point of Jesus being the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus is the point of the Bible. Did you hear so long, Moses? Wasn't that an awesome song? Why did, why did our hearts burn with that song? Because we were reminded of biblical truth that Jesus doesn't just show up toward the end of the book to make it a real nice story. That He's the point of the entire book. From Genesis to Revelation, it's about Jesus and the need for the Savior. Way back in Genesis 3.15, it's promising that God's going to provide one who will come and that will crush Satan's head. I love it. In in Luke chapter 24, one of my favorite uh, uh, portions of the Gospels, uh, there are two men that are walking on the road to Emmaus. Um, They just had experienced uh, the crucifixion of Christ. They're down. They're dejected. They're religious men. They had kind of placed their hope that Jesus was going to be the Savior, the one to deliver them. I couldn't understand what was happening. They were confused with their timing and what was happening in their life. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears to them. They didn't at first recognize him. He walks along with them and he asks them the question. 
And they say, what are you, some crazy man? Have you not seen what's been happening here in these days? Have you not seen this man crucified, this innocent one? And here's what Jesus does. Luke chapter 24, verse 27, it says this. And beginning with Moses, and by the way, we believe Moses wrote the first five books called the Pentateuch of the Bible. Beginning in the beginning with Moses and through all the prophets... He, Jesus, explained to them what was said in this, all the Scriptures concerning Himself. You want to know the point of the Bible? It's Jesus. This is the point. It's pointing to us what God requires of us, or our duties that we have to do for God. But ultimately, this Word of God, this inerrant, holy Word of God, points us to God's only begotten Son so that we can have our sins forgiven, so that we can be given life and ushered into God's family. I know it's difficult. Even Peter will say, sometimes I read this guy named Paul and I don't quite understand all the things he's saying. There are difficult things here. There are ancient things at times. There's different genres of the Scripture. But the Bible is about Jesus. Start to finish. I had someone ask me in our Discovering Orangewood class this morning a very good question. Do you telling me we're talking about that the only way to heaven is through Christ? He said, what about the people in the Old Testament? What about them? Well, we read through the New Testament that Abraham, a, a friend of God, he believed in God's promise of a coming Messiah and he was saved. The same way that they're saved in the Old Testament is the New Testament. Is by God's grace through faith and a Redeemer. In the Old Testament, they were saved because of a coming Redeemer. We now live on this side of the cross knowing that a Redeemer has come. He has paid for our sins. We are forgiven and cleansed in His blood. And this book, from start to finish, is about Jesus. Grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Be a lover of His Word because it's all about Him and that great love story. He truly is the beginning um, of the story. He is the ending of the story. He is the point. Not only that, he is the point of all the cosmos. Listen to what Paul writes in Colossians. Colossians 1.15. Listen to this. He's the point of the Bible. Now I'm going to tell you he's the point of all creation, according to God's Word. Colossians 1.15. The Son is the image of the invisible God. He is, the, he is God. The firstborn over all creation. Listen to this. For in Him, Jesus, all things were created. He is the Word that spoke and everything came into existence. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things, listen, have been created through Him. You ready for this? And for Him. Jesus is not only the point of the Bible, He's the point of all creation. As the Creator, He has created all things to display His glory. He has created everything to tell His story. Why do the stars sparkle so awesome? How come the moon is incredible when it's full and bright? How come the oceans sing a song to our soul? How come when we get up in the mountains we feel fully alive? Because they're singing the song of Jesus. He's the point of creation. And if we miss Him, we miss the whole point. We're going to live our lives and never understand this great, loving, creator God. Jesus is the point of the cosmos. He's the point of the Bible. And then this great, grand creator, this big, infinite God, He needs to be the point of your life and mine.
He's Emmanuel. Jesus needs to be the point of our lives. 1 John 5.12 says this, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. I mean, it's, is that black and white? Is there any like confusion there? <laughs> and that's one of those ones I get. Okay, have Jesus, have life. Don't have Jesus, according to God, don't have life as God intended. Don't have eternal life. Still bound in death. Still under the curse. Why do we need to grow in our love and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? Because Jesus is the beginning and end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the Eternal One. He's the point of the Bible. He's the point of creation. And He needs to be the point of our life. When we wake up tomorrow, it's got to be for Christ and His kingdom. When we wake up tomorrow, we've got to say, for me to live is Christ. I'm, it's, it's the reason I'm a, I have being. It's the reason I have air. It's the reason I have my job. It's the reason I have my family. It's the reason I'm a student. It's the reason I'm going to school. It's the reason I'm making money. It's the reason I'm in this church. He is the reason for life. Apart from Him, it's mundane, meaningless, void. So we got to grow. Grow in the knowledge of Him. How is it with your life? Is the point of your life to point to Jesus. Because that's what he's intended it for, child of God. It's really, is the point of your life, the point of your, your career, your athletics, whatever, is it to point to Jesus? It should be. How about your marriage? I know that my prayer life really changed when I started to realize that God wants my marriage to reflect his love story, not ours. When he wants Jesus to be seen more than me or Katie. And when you start praying, saying, God, would you tell your love story through our love story? It's an amazing thing what happens to your marriage. It's an amazing thing what happens to your prayers. Because that's the point of your marriage. The point of your marriage is he wants it to be a picture of a bride and groom in love with each other. And guess what? The church, we are the bride. And Jesus, he is the groom. So the way we treat our wives or the way we respond to our husbands tells his story. That's why marriage is important. That's why Mike Dwyer comes up and says, now's the time. Because there's a story being told here in our marriages that God wants to tell. And it's amazing he wants to use our broken, feeble lives and marriages to tell his story. That's why we got to grow in the love and knowledge of Jesus. Because when we forget, it becomes about us. And the stories crumble and our stories don't look any different than the world's. Can you believe that God wants to show the world His love through your marriage? Through your life? Through your career? That's what He wants to do. That's the greatest love story. Not yours or mine. It's His. He's got to be the point of our lives. And the point of our careers. I think this is the one we struggle with maybe even the most. Is He really the point of what you do for a living? You were created to work. You're in his ambassador. You go, you go tomorrow as the church, wherever you're going to go, as a student, wherever you do. The point has got to be about Jesus. Top to bottom. Top to bottom. We've got to grow downward and upward. Hurricane season has passed us by. Some of us still remember things like Charlie. I learned that there are different kind of oak trees. Water oaks don't have roots. They fall over onto your neighbor's house. The kind of water oaks must be those that have ineffective and useless faith that Peter's talking about. That don't have roots. That aren't growing in Him. 
May God forbid us to be ineffective. May we truly put down roots. That's why we have equipping center classes to go to, and not just church. That's why we encourage you to go to small groups. This is why we have Band of Brothers. This is why we have WIC. That's why we have these things, so that you'll grow, so you'll be able to take a stand when the wind comes, when people say, now tell me about your faith. You'll be able to say, let me tell you. And let me tell you, growth comes incrementally. I'm not here to beat you up. Some of you here are just getting the gospel. Some of you are saying, I want to grow, but I don't know yet. It's okay. He will, he will tenderly deal with you and grow you up. He's not frustrated with you. He's got you right where you need to be. But the desire to grow is what he really is looking for. In each and every one of us, from the most senior saint to the person just getting the gospel today, grow in your love and knowledge of Jesus. He's the point of it all. And we got to grow downward so we really understand I love the fact that our, our young adults are studying Reformed theology right now. There's like 70 people in our equipping center class, and they're excited about theology. And some of them ask, why does it matter? Because we've got to know what we've got to believe. We've got to put down roots that are biblical, that honor God, so when different opinions come, we'll be able, by God's grace, to stand. We've got to go upward, upward to bear fruit. John 15 says that he's going to trim us He's going to throw us in the fire if we don't bear fruit. And if we do bear fruit, he's going to trim our lives so we bear more. Galatians 5 talks about walking in the Spirit. And let me encourage you, Galatians 5, 22 through 23, to show you what it means to bear fruit of living for Jesus as we grow in him. I want to encourage you as I close of how we're going to grow. How we're to grow in Jesus. And this is going to come pretty quickly. If you want to follow me along in your bulletin, it'll list how we can know Jesus. But I want to specifically talk to you who think maybe you know Jesus well. And let me challenge you to really know him better. Do you know Jesus in his divine nature? Colossians 2.9. Colossians 2.9 says that Jesus in bodily form is fully God. Wrestle on that for a while. You see, as Jesus being fully God in his divine nature, we have access to God. Do you know Jesus in his human nature? Can you believe that the word of God, the eternal word of God became flesh and dwelt among us? That Luke 2.52 tells us that Jesus, the eternal ancient one, grew in favor and in wisdom in the eyes of man and God? Know Jesus in his humanity because as you know him in his humanity, he can relate to you. I love taking pastor's calls and calling people that are broken And being able to tell them the reality that there's a mighty God who weeps. There's a mighty God. His name is Jesus. He became flesh. He wept over a friend's grave. He knows your pain. He knows your brokenness. He relates to it. Because God became flesh. Do you know him in his humanity, his human nature? Do you know him in his finished work when Jesus hung on the cross for our sins and he yelled out and declared, it is finished. Do you know that finished work? Do you know, child of the living God, that every single one of your sins has been paid for, has been nailed to a Roman cross? It's done. It is finished. We now can have blessings of God instead of wrath. We now are brought into his family. It is finished. We don't have to earn it anymore. Amen? Do you know him in his death? Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. I've died with Christ. The life I now live, I live in Christ Jesus. The God, the Father, sees us having died 
the death we deserve to die with Christ so that we can live in Him. Do you know Him in His death? Do you know Him in His resurrection? Do you know that resurrected power that now life wins, death doesn't? I know many of you know people who are struggling. Many of you people know people who are close to death. Many of you have been praying a long time for people that aren't getting better. And knowing Jesus in His resurrection is the reminder that even if their heart stops, death doesn't win. Do you know Him in His resurrected power? Do you know Him in His glorious intercession? Do you know Jesus lives right now to pray for you, child of the living God, to intercede for you, to love you, to call your name to the Father? Our high priest is still at work. There's good news. He finished all that we had to bring us to the Father. Now He lives to intercede for us. Do you know Him in that work? And do you long for His return? He's coming back. Are you ready? Do you know that He's coming back as our King? I can't wait for Him to come because the reality is I want Him to stop the pain. I'm tired of reading the newspaper and having my heart broken. Are you? I'm tired of having young kids just be abused. I'm tired. And He's coming back and He's going to remove the pain and we're going to have endless joy and we're going to be able to worship the King of kings and Lord and Lords forever. But do you know Him now? Do you know Him now? And are are you growing in your love and knowledge of Him? Let us pray. Father God, it's amazing how much I wrestled with this message. I said, I'm going to tell them about Jesus. I'm not sure I got enough. And yet, Father, you continue to remind me as even as we sing that when we have Jesus, we have everything. And when we don't, we have nothing. Father, I pray for those who have nothing this morning. Those that are here, maybe they've been here for a while, maybe it's their first time. But they're starting to hear that apart from you, they can really do no good and they can never please you. But in Christ, they can be a part of the family. Oh, Spirit of the living God, today I pray, would you tug on those hearts that don't know you? God, I pray that you'd give them the faith to believe in Jesus as Savior. That they would be able to call out to you and say, rescue me from my sins. Be the point of my life. Father, bring them home today. For the rest of us, Father, every single one that says that they're yours, may we never have ineffective faith. May we grow in our love and knowledge of Jesus. Jesus the one who was, the one who is, the one who is to come. Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Jesus, the one that all of heaven right now is singing his praises. And we sing them as well. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Please stand.